welcome to the Sunday morning service. You're listening to the First Century Apostolic Church FCAC Tema Community 5, Ghana. We preach, teach, and live the complete and unadulterated Word of God with genuine miracles, signs, and wonders taking place at every meeting with the Holy Spirit. Our aim is the following the steps of the apostles and disciples of the First Century Church founded by our Lord Jesus Christ. Get ready, therefore, for a powerful encounter with the word and power of God, brought to you by Reverend Dr. V.C.Y. Edwards, the general overseer of FCAC. He is a seasoned man of God who is blessed with a powerful teaching and deliverance ministry. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. prompt for our morning church services. Your life will never be the same again. God richly bless you as you join us in the service. Last week, we began the four-part series on motivations. Motivations. And we dealt with motivation number one. Motivation number one. We said that the motivation is a reason for doing something. When we say, what is your motive? Your motive is your reason why you are doing something. Because in this world, don't do, we don't do anything for nothing. The reason you are here this morning is because you have a motive. A motive. Every single thing we do under heaven must have a motive. Must have a motive. And it must have a very good motive. A motive, therefore, is a reason for doing something. And we said that when you are sure of that motive, you have the assurance that that motive will come to pass, then you are motivated. So your motive then becomes your motivation to endure and to persevere. Because you look to the future, you look to the reward, and not to the here and the now. And we see that throughout the entire Bible, all the great men and women of the Bible, they had good motives. Even Bible said that Moses, Moses, who was the daughter of a son, so the son of Pharaoh's daughter decided to be part of the slaves, the Hebrews, rather to enjoy the pleasures of, of Egypt as Pharaoh's daughter's son. And therefore, he looked to the future. He looked to the future and saw that, in fact, a better motive, better thing to do, was to join the slaves and forsook all the pleasures of the palace in Egypt. So, when you have a motive and you are sure of that motive coming to pass, then it becomes your motivation. It motivates you to endure. So, the assurance is what to make you endure and to persevere. 
May we all endure and persevere. Amen. This one, we look at, we're looking at motivation number two. And we're talking about why you are in the house of God. What is your motive by accepting Jesus? What is your reason for becoming a believer and deciding to serve God? What is your reason? We look at motivation number two. Number two is judgment. Judgment. Motivation number two. Judgment. Motivation number two is judgment. And we take our text from 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 8 to 11. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 8 to 11. Motivation number two, judgment. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 8 to 11. Paul says, he said, We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, we make it our motive, we make it our aim, our goal, our motive, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But verse 8 is a very crucial point. Verse 8 is a very, very important point. It says, we are confident. Yes. Yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul is saying here that he as a believer, we as believers, in fact, we must be confident and find it even well pleasing to be absent from the body because when you are absent from the body, it means that you are present with the Lord. And therefore, the believer must not, when a time comes, when his or her time comes, the believer must not be afraid to depart. I will use the word die. Must not be afraid to depart. Because believers, we believers, we don't die. We only depart from the body so as to be with the Lord. Now, therefore, as Christians, believers, we must not be afraid or ashamed. We must not be scared when our time comes to depart from the body and to be with the Lord. In fact, we must find it well-pleasing. Well-pleasing. We must welcome it when the time comes. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1. 21 to 24. Philippians 1. 
24. Paul says here, and this must be the belief of every serious Christian. He said, for me, for to me, sorry, for to me, verse 21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my body, for my labor, for my body, for my labor. Yet, what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed, I'm torn between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Just let's look at this scripture a bit more in detail. Paul is saying that to him, to him, as far as he's concerned, in his opinion, to live is Christ. As long as it's this life, everything is for Christ and everything is by Christ. But to die, when he dies, he considers it gain. He hasn't lost. He has not lost his life. He has not lost anything. Rather, he has gained. So, he said, for me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Die is gain. Praise the Lord. Um... When it comes to these things, beloved, let us be, let us not be ignorant about some things. I have come to the point where, for a long time, many years now, I arrived at the point where I consider life, life as the only real life is the life of a believer. The life of the unbeliever, the one who does not have Christ, has no life. Because Jesus is the giver of life. And the one who does not have Jesus does not have life. Therefore, when we talk of life, real, genuine life is life in Christ Jesus. I say this, and I say it confident, confidently, because I've come to know this many, many years ago, about decades ago. Now, the Bible says that it's appointed unto man... 70 years. God has given us 70 years. And if by reason of strength, you may have 80 years or more. I find it difficult to understand how somebody at the age of 90, 95, 100, when the time comes for the person to depart, the person is sad. I mean, do you want to live forever? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because there's there's eternal life somewhere. <laughs> but when man said I will live here forever. Now, for a young person, when a young person is facing death, that's a different issue. We must do everything as doctors and the church to make sure that God will heal that person and God will prolong that person's life. And may God grant us all to live long. But Michel Camp, Tashin, Nibwe Town. Listen to this. I find it hard to believe and to accept that when my time comes at the age of, you know, advance in years, advance in years, because Paul says, if you to live on in this life, it will mean 
fruit from his labor. Am I right? Oh, am I right? Yes. If you live on here and they like this, you mean fruit from his labor. Now, somebody who is 95, 90, 95, is not working. He has given off all the labor that he can give. Praise the Lord. All the labor from his, uh, uh, the fruit, is all been given. So now, even forgets he eats and forgets that he has even eaten. Praise the Lord. What is that person waiting for? What will I be waiting for? <laughs> Hello? What, what do I be doing? And what do I be waiting for? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And yet when such a person is sick, the family will spend the whole family's fortune. So much money and they are somebody on someone who is 90, 95 years old or even 85 years old. You can see, I can see as a, daughter, as a doctor, the person's life has come to an end. And yet the family will spend the entire family's fortune. Doctors from wherever, lab tests, x-rays, all kinds of investigations, trying to make this person live forever. When that person has not got any more food from his labor, all the food from his labor has been given out. Now the time comes for the person to depart. When my time comes, praise the Lord, I will know when my time has come. And I will ask my friend, don't spend one CD on me. Let me just depart in peace. Church, do you agree with me? I know some of you may not agree, but I agree or not. I, I, that, that's my opinion. Because see, as a believer, if you are motivated by heaven, and you are motivated by the reward that you are going to get, and you have lived here for so many years, and your time, you must know when your time has come. When all your teeth are gone. And you can, now you can only drink milk. Hello? You can only drink soup. You can't even eat the fish. Hello? And... People have to wait on you because you can't, you can't walk. They have to. Young people carrying you when they should be bringing food from their labor. They are laboring on you. I would say, let me go in peace. Church, do you agree with me? Uh, I, I, please say yes. Clap your two hands for Jesus. So, whatever money is there, leave it for the young, leave it for your children and your grandchildren. Don't, don't spend all the money that you have accumulated at the age of 1900, and then you leave, and you leave your children impoverished. You leave them in poverty. And then to make matters worse, then they organize a very expensive funeral. The coffin alone costing 30,000 Ghana cities. Praise the Lord. That, to me, there's no sense in that. That it make sense. So Paul is saying something here. Look at the guy. He said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet, what I should, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two. <clears throat> Paul has seen it before. You have not seen it. He was taken out to a third heaven. So he saw what was there or what is there. And he knows what he's talking about. 
So it says, I am half refugee too. <laughs> Having a desire to depart and go back, which is far better, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. More needful for you. Life. Life. When it becomes no longer needful for anybody, when the life has become no more, no longer needful for anybody, that will mean the end of your time, of your pilgrimage. I like it when Jacob, Jacob knew his time had come. He called his children, 12 tribes, called them and blessed them. And Bible says, after blessing them, look at Jacob, after blessing them, when he finished blessing the last person, he drew, Bible says, he drew his legs into his bed and then breathed his last. So he actually chose when to depart, and he departed. He just put his legs back into bed, covered himself, and then breathed his last. Praise the Lord. Beloved, we must be motivated. As believers, yes, we will live long. We will live long. But I've seen many who will leave their families in poverty. Because before they depart, they will spend all their family fortune, medical bills, medical bills, and expensive funerals. Hello? Praise the Lord. If you agree with me, clap your hands for Jesus. And I have said that when my time comes and I go, no funeral. Just the church service. After that, everybody go home and eat. Eat and drink. Make merry. I don't want any funeral. Funerals, funerals are completely meaningless and useless. There's no food that you get from funerals. Nothing. And yet, a man of money you spend on funerals, you will not believe it. When my time comes, no funeral. I've told my family, no funeral. Church service finished. Church, if you agree with me, say amen. amen. Now, a person can only feel this way. One can only believe this and feel this way if he has the Spirit of God in him. If he or she has the Spirit of God in him. Because he, the Holy Spirit is the linkage, is the connection between your spirit and God. And therefore, the true believer has set his or her mind on things above and not on things on the earth. The genuine true Christian has his or her mind set on things in heaven, not on things on the earth. And therefore, only a genuine Christian or believer can feel the same way as Paul felt. Now, I'll test again, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. Says, now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, who also has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. And that's why I find it hard to see how someone can call himself a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit. 
and not have received the Holy Ghost baptism. Not be able to speak and pray in tongues. And yet a person calls himself or herself a Christian. And there are Christians who even make fun. They ridicule as Christians who speak in tongues, sing in tongues, and pray in tongues. They ridicule us. And yet they also say they are Christians. Bible said that God has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. As a guarantee for this. The Father, he has prepared us. He has prepared you for this. And the guarantee, the evidence of that is that you have the Holy Spirit in you. Therefore, as many as are in this church, you must all desire to have more and more of the Holy Spirit in you. Church, if you agree with me, say amen. amen. Clap your hands for Jesus again. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Is God. Because see, the Holy Spirit not only gives us the courage to live, the Holy Ghost gives us not only the courage to live, but also the courage to depart. Therefore, the psalmist said, yes, I know that I walk to develop the shadow of death every day. The psalmist said, I know, yes, I know that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death every day, but I don't fear any evil. I don't fear who? Hello? Because I know that God is with me. I've told you countless number of times, countless number of times, even I had one last night. I have a vision and surrounded by poisonous, very venomous big snakes. Not one of them has ever raised a finger at me. Not one. Not even talk of the, the teeth. Not one. I know, I know that if the devil gets me, he will make me like kebab. He has said it. If he should get me, he will make me like kebab. But he cannot get me, and therefore he cannot get you either. Amen. He cannot get you either. Amen. Say another amen. Pray for Jesus. The Holy Spirit actually, at some stage, will make, will make it your preference. Like Paul, he will make it your preference. You prefer, you choose to depart and to be with the Lord than to remain in uh, this world. This world doesn't come anywhere near, nowhere near what God has prepared for you and for me. Say amen. amen. Clap your hands for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Therefore, we make it our aim. Verse 9. We make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. Now, the judgment and the reward, the judgment and the reward must be the number two motive. Number two motive for every believer. Heaven, number one, Judgment number two, 
and the reward. You cannot possibly say that you come to Jesus simply because you want to marry. Your, your whole reason for coming to church is to marry. No. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else shall be added unto you. You cannot tell Jesus that you have come to him and your only reason is that you want healings in your body. Or you want to prosper in your business. You want deliverance in your life. Or because you want somebody else to be healed or to be blessed. You cannot come to Jesus if your motive is all for the here and for the now. There's something we call it, we say in theology, the here and the now. The here and the now. No. Jesus didn't come for the here and the now. He didn't come because of the here and the now. He came to save those who were lost. Those who were walking about on the earth, not knowing they were lost, but in the eyes of heaven, they were lost. They were alive here on earth, going about their business. Jesus said they were marrying and being given in marriage. They were going about their business. They didn't know that they were lost. But Jesus, God, who, who could see that they were lost, came to save them. He came to save those who were lost. He didn't come to save them here and take them to their family homes. No, he came to save them and take them to heaven. Praise the Lord. Clap your hand for Jesus. Therefore, the judgment day will come. There shall be judgment. Church say judgment. Say reward. And it's not for here. It's not for here. So if you set your mind on things on earth, if you set your mind on things on earth as your motive for coming to Jesus, after a while you give up. If after five years the marriage has not come, ten years the pregnancy hasn't come, the children hasn't, have not come, if you come to Jesus because you want healing and you don't get healed, you cannot endure. You cannot persevere. After a while, you fall away. You will backslide. You go back. And therefore, there are many who go from church to church. Many who follow prophets and prophetesses. Many, when they hear that somebody is somewhere, oh, they all go there. Going there for what? Going there for what? And I've always said that one thing that I, I, I find very, in fact, obnoxious, annoying, is that somebody who was a known criminal committed a crime and go to jail, person goes to jail for a certain number of years, comes out of prison, and because... Maybe that person's case was a, a high-profile case. Everybody got to know about it. The person did this. It was blown up all the papers. Went to jail. After five years, ten years, comes out. Next thing you know, he has started a church. He's now a pastor. And gives three titles before his name. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, so-so and so. And begins to prophesy. 
and people start flocking after him. People start, his church is full. Having come from jail, from prison. And we who have not been to prison, people don't want to come to our churches. So must I go to prison before people can come to my church? God forbid. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Somebody who is known in the neighborhood, a drifter, drifter, somebody who is a bum, no achievement, yes, nothing, no achievement, suddenly becomes a pastor, and people go to him for counseling and for prayers. Quatrikwasi oba ontuma, and then if the destitute. Somebody who has nothing promises you a cloth. Listen to his name. It's a destitute. Praise the Lord. I am very, I was very, you know, uh, happy that whenever, when I was in Bible school and soon after when I saw that I was there, I've been going to ministry. Many of them, when I told them that God had come into ministry, they said, oh, then yours, yours must be genuine because you are a doctor. You are a surgeon. You are a specialist doctor. You don't need to be a pastor to survive. In fact, you don't need to be a chair leader to, to chop. Being a pastor is actually going to cost you. They used to say it. So you can see that your ministry is a genuine one. And church, indeed, I can defend my ministry as a genuine ministry. Put your hand grab for Jesus. Because I am motivated. My motive is not here on earth. My motive for being a Christian, my motive for being a pastor is all set on things above. Heaven, judgment, and their reward. Amen. But we must all appear. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We're here talking about judgment of believers. Not judgment of unbelievers. Who, they are judged already. Unbelievers are judged already. The fact that the person is an unbeliever has not believed in Jesus, that person is judged already. Because the Bible states, states categorically that he who does not have Christ does not have life. That without Jesus, you cannot enter into heaven. You cannot. People refuse to accept. They think it's a joke. They think it's a joke. They think you can somehow pass through the back door. But even if we know that the, the parable of the, this king had a feast, a feast, big feast, and then someone who was found there who had not been invited. Parable. The person who was found there, how did you get here? How did you get in? Throw him out. They threw him out. Because if you, don't, if you are not qualified, you cannot enter. And even if you manage to enter, you'll be thrown out. I remember when we were, we were entering secondary school from one. Secondary school. Um, though they used to do common entrance. I think they do what, what do you do? Um, now you spoiled everything. You know, we used to do common entrance. And based on that, we selected to go to secondary school. And um, I went to primary college. And the, the requirements there were very, very high. In fact, we used to say that we used to say, it was a saying that only the best, only the best is good enough for primary college. We used to say it. 
But we went to school, and then this guy joined us in Form 1. He could even spell his own name. So well, how did he get in? How did he get in here? He was, he was my class. And first term, first year, first year examination, you know, first, first term, there was a question on the history. History. It was a, a, a king, a king, West African king in the olden day called Mansa Musa. Someone, have you heard of Mansa Musa before? Uh, Mansa Musa? Uh-huh. So one question was that, oh, write, write a short note on Sosons of Mansa Musa. Easy question. And you know what this guy wrote down? He said, Mansa Musa's father was called Soso Musa. That was his answer. <laughs> his brother was called Musa Musa. <laughs> he was sacked that first day. <laughs> he was found out and sacked. We don't know how he got in. So the same way he, ca he came in, same way. We, hardly did we sack. We don't sack people first term. It's at the end of the first year. But he was sacked the first term. Praise the Lord. Because see, if you have the wrong motive, if your motive for serving God is wrong, God can see why you are, you are in his house. He can look at you. The moment you enter here, he knows why you are here. What is your reason for being here? First of all, if your reason is wrong, you will not be motivated. You don't have the motivation. So you are likely to either misbehave or backslide and fall away. Jesus can see what your motive is. And if your motive is right, church, Note this. If you have the correct kind of motive, he will empower you. He will lead you. He will supply all your needs and he will bless you with all manner of blessings. Just say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So these things are true. Motive. Your motive for doing something I was in two years in Bible school. When God called me, I stopped work as a doctor. When I could have been earning, maybe if it were now, those days, if it were now, I could be earning as much as 5,000 cities a month. I put order aside. I put that salary aside. And for two years, I was in Bible school. When I woke up every morning, dressed up, and I left the house, or going to Bible school. We spend the whole day studying the Bible, praying, studying theology, studying, learning how to become a good minister, a good servant of Christ. And many, many of the students who were there were there for the wrong motives. After what became obvious, that many were there who had the wrong motive. Motive number 100. After about a year or not just after a year, it became obvious. Obvious. Because many of these students were always praying, fasting, and asking God for the anointing. All they wanted was the anointing. So they could go and give titles, anointed prophet. Anointed apostle, we will bring him money. 
They spend all the time praying for anointing, anointing, anointing. I hardly ever prayed for any anointing. I prayed for understanding. I asked that God will show me how to be a good minister without favoritism, without looking at anybody's face. Just to do what Christ wants me to do and all that he wanted me to do. After a year, God himself anointed me more than all of them. And may God anoint you today. May God anoint you this morning. Because you have the right motive. I remember when we went to, um, we went to have a, a meeting at Bodjase. Bodjase is a, 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 a town in Ghana. If you are watching it from outside, it's a small town in Ghana. We want to have a meeting. One week, we're there. And uh, before we left Ghana, so before we left Accra, I arranged to go with some four elders and deaconesses. And we met at the headquarters because we, can't, we came from different parts of Accra. So we met there so we could all go together. And when we met at the headquarters, I saw, I met one of my classmates who was then a junior pastor at the headquarters, Joulu. He said, oh, doctor, where are you going? I said, we are going to Bojiasi. To do what? He was surprised. So we are going to have a one-week program. He said, ah, Dr. Pa, Dr. Pa, are you crazy? We are here in Accra. We are going to Bojiasi. <laughs> and when we got there, we slept on mats. That's when I realized that in fact, when you, when you grow up and you sleep on a mat, no mattress, praise the Lord. For one week, we slept on the floor. And the Lord did wonderful things. Wonderful things. And that's why I told that as we were approaching, when we landed about Jurassic, as we were going to the pastor's house, there was a tall coconut tree. Not when there was a snake on the, on the tree. People have been passing under the tree. It was a footpath, very busy footpath. There was a, a snake lying, resting on top of the, of the tree. When we got there, as we were approaching the coconut tree, this snake fell. How can a snake fall from a coconut tree? If it was able to climb up there, Evelyn, how can it fall? But we have in front of us, pa, big cobra. Then it went away. Because of our presence. May your presence make every snake fall before your face. In the name of Jesus. Then the last day of the program, the last day, Senior ministers came from Accra. I was the most junior of them all. We are senior ones who came from Accra. Because of the large day. Fundraising and everything. And uh, when the time came for the fundraising, the most senior of them all, the most senior one, he said he had to do the fundraising. He took the basket, did what he had to do, invited put bring, and nobody was coming. Nobody was coming. In fact, he was actually begging. Nobody came. Then the next senior person took over. Also to the basket. Same basket. Nobody came. So I was the Mojinia. So they gave it to me to see what I could also do. I took the basket. Then one person came forward to put some one CD inside. When she put the one CD inside, she found out the anointing. Then the whole church stood up. When they saw the anointing, they all stood up. It got to a point when people passing by, I'm not lying, people passing by stood outside the window 
and they were giving money through the window. Fatuma, Fatuma, Fatuma. And as many as came for her to put anything, any offering about, they all fell on the anointing. There was a known um, dam, a moon, a, a moon in, the, in the town. Everyone knew her. That day, this, your deaf and dumb, she couldn't hear anything. Just before we close, this young woman came to the church and somebody who couldn't hear, when I began to rebuke the demon, she started speaking. Praise the Lord. Clap your hand for Jesus. She could hear and could, could speak. When we came to Accra, the second, the second senior minister called me, called me on the phone, and said, Doctor, I said, Yes. He said, I said, Who? I said, Oh, hey, Mr. So and so, Reverend So and so. I said, oh, What can I do for you? He said, Oh, in fact, Doctor, what happened in Bojiasi? I was so humbled. And when I came back to Accra, this is what she said. When I came back, I prayed to God. I said, Ready? Anointing another time. I mean, I mean, just a fraction of it. May God give you not a fraction, but more of the anointing. Praise the Lord. This same reverend, when the separation came, separation came, he called me again. He said, Doctor, I've not forgotten what happened. He called me. Years after, I've not forgotten what happened about you. I know that you are blessed. And I know that you are also blessed. Oh, do you know you are blessed? Because you have got the right kind of motive. Clap your hands for Jesus. Hello? Having the right motive makes a lot of difference. The right kind of mentality, the reason for serving God. You don't just come because one said, just come. No. You are not here because, oh, you are following somebody. Or oh, it's Sunday, people are going to church, so you also want to dress up. Otherwise, you won't get a chance to dress up. You want to show off your, your new wig or your new lipstick. That's not the reason for coming to church. You come to the new Mount Zion, new Jerusalem. You come to God. And you must have the correct kind of motive. Because judgment is coming. And no one can stop it. Acts chapter 17 verse 31. Acts 17 verse 31. No one can stop it. Acts 17 verse 31. Acts of the Apostles chapter 17 verse 31. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the, one, by the man whom he has ordained. Sorry, by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Acts 17, verse 31. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Is that in your Bibles? Years ago, I was doing deliverance and uh, I was doing deliverance and uh, I mentioned the day of judgment. This was our church. Early in my ministry, we were delivering a young lady and I mentioned the day of, the day of judgment. Hey, the demon went wild. <laughs> <laughs> because they know that that day, <laughs> that day, uh, what I just meant the day of judgment. Said, the demon went wild. When they hear the day, that day, that day, 
hey, they can't, I mean, it's terror for them. Terror for them. 30 years ago, I know a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows. This man had done nothing wrong. This man had done nothing wrong. 30 years ago, I know a man, whether in the body or out of the body, God knows, I don't know. And someone accused him of a crime. And this man was arrested. But see, he had not committed any crime. So he wasn't afraid. He was going to face a judge, court. But he wasn't afraid. He had not done anything wrong. So when this man faced the inspector who was handling the case, and this man was talking and laughing and happy, the inspector said, ah, now who quite judgment when I just said, no. Because this inspector knows that these people are being who are being taken to court, you know, they are afraid. When they are going to face judgment, they are afraid. So when he saw this man was happy and cracking jokes and, you know, he said, hey, now somebody, you are taking to court on Monday. And you, are, you look so happy and so free because this man had done nothing wrong. And in fact, when he went to court, he was acquitted. He was acquitted. So the fact that most people, when they are going to face judgment, most people, when they are going to court, they begin to sweat, they tremble, they shake. They are so much afraid, they can't even eat until the case is over when they are declared innocent. Demons even know this, and they are scared. Judgment day. The demons know it, they are scared. Evil spirits are scared. And yet, human beings who have the option, God, after demons, they have been judged already. On that day, they shall be all be cast into hell fire. They have no option. They have no choice. But human beings, you and I, we have a choice. We have a choice. And people are not scared. People are not concerned. People don't see this as a motive to serve God, to be well-pleasing to Jesus. Because see, Jesus is the one who is going to do the judgment? He's going to judge. The duty, the function of the judgment have been assigned to the Son, to Jesus. And therefore, you must endeavor, do all you can whilst you are in this life. Everything you can, be well pleasing to Him. Be well pleasing to Him. John chapter 5, verse 22. John 5, verse 22. And that's what Paul said. John 5, 22. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. For the Father judges no one. John chapter 5, verse 22. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. And this, the judgment of believers will be based on things done here. Your judgment, my judgment, based on things that we have done here. We are saved already. We are saved. The unbeliever is already judged. But you and I, we are saved. So our judgment will be to determine what kind of reward we shall receive. Depending on whether you did good or bad in your pilgrimage here. During your pilgrimage here or not. Whether you had the right motive. Whether your motive here was right or wrong. That's what your judgment will be based upon. It will determine the kind of reward that you might receive 
and the value of that reward. The kind of that of the reward and the value of that reward. And when that comes, please don't skin pain anybody. Hello? <laughs> no skin pain. No ahoya. I know some of you will get big crowns, big crowns. May you all get big crowns. May you all receive big crowns. But there are some whose crowns will be very small. So when they put it on their head, it will disappear inside the hair. Can't see it. You have to look for that. I have you to look for in the village. Do they do that now? Don't see lies anymore. If you know you Hey, it's an overturning. It's near about for hours. The kind of reward that you get and the value of the reward. The kind of reward and the value of the reward. And I don't think you should settle for something small. You should settle, work, pray, and aim. Be motivated by a big reward. Church, may you all have big rewards. First Corinthians chapter 3, 11 to 15. First Corinthians 3, 11 to 15. First Corinthians chapter 3, 11 to 15. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day, my Bible, the day is capital D, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on, on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. The person who has no crown, no, no reward, will just, just manage. We say, but so just through fire, just through fire. I told about the, when we were in Legon, we used to have a, what we call firing squad. These days they give results on mobile phones and that kind of, oh, everything is uh, uh, IT, IT. When we were in Legon, they used to publish names of Exam results and put it on the notice board. We used to call the play firing squad. You know why? Because people used to collapse. If you guys don't see your name there, they will, they will probably they will make a list of the whole class name. Then they draw a red line. If your name happens to be below the red line, it means that you have been referred. You are coming back. If your name is above the red line, it means that you have passed. And there was this guy. He says. Every time the red line would just pass under his name. <laughs> Every year, the red line always just pass under his name. <laughs> and that's how he was making it. Bible said, yes, 
Some you be saved, but you know you just make it. You just make it. But may it not be just just for you. May it be huge for you. In the name of Jesus. Take a clap or two hands for Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe God brought you into SCAC so that your crown will be big. I believe that God planted you in FCAC so he will give you a very good reward. So don't miss that reward in the name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11. 2 Corinthians 5 11. 2 Corinthians 5 11. 2 Corinthians 5 11. Knowing therefore 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your conscience. Paul is saying that he knowing the terror of the Lord, knowing how terrible God is and what, how to be on that day. That's why he's persuading men, begging men, begging men. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. On one we persuade men. But he said, after him, he knows that he's well known to God. He has no problem. But he's trying to persuade those who are problems. Those who are problems. And that's what, why, and therefore, every time we meet, we persuade you, we build you up. We pray, we lay hands, we, we exhort, we counsel, we encourage. We are persuading you. He persuading you. Oh, tell someone that every time we lay hands on people, when we lay hands, we don't lay hands for nothing. It's not just God didn't give me the hands just to lay on people and then that it's not it is not for nothing. Every time hands are laid on and you see what happened, it's to help one build up your faith. Know that God is. God is. And all who come to him must come to him knowing that he exists. Therefore, whatever he has said, he will bring it to pass. So when we lay hands, it is not for fun. It is not a joke. It is not for exhibition. First of all, it is to increase your faith. And may you all have great faith. When we lay hands, it is the power of God that comes upon you. When the power of God comes, every time the power of God comes, the Holy Ghost comes upon you, he leaves more, a bit more of him inside of you. Hello? The Holy Ghost leaves a bit more of him inside of you. Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, how can my Selena, otherwise how can your how can how can Selena come? How is it that Selena's rice? She sells rice, cooked rice. How can it be that of all those who are selling rice there, her rice, one or another, sir. Praise the Lord. On one or one And so, Tommy, now, the people, are, the, the witches are envying her. May your enemies envy you. May you plant and reap a hundredfold. So, see, when we touch or whatever, it is not just an exhibition. It is the power of God that comes over her. And when she gets her to go back to her seat, she is not the same again. 
He's not the same. The power of God continues to rest upon him. And may God's power rest on you all. Nibwai Town, Teshim, Michelle Camp, Tema. May the power of God rest on every one of you. In the name of Jesus. Clap your two hands for Jesus. I remember, I always say it, uh, my daughter here, Evelyn, when uh, I first came to Tema, remember? She, she, after, after, after a few weeks, we were, you know, we have been very close. She became my daughter the first day I saw her. And she had been my daughter ever since. And I remember, what we, she said that, oh, um, laying of hands and falling down, they didn't like it. Uh huh. Ah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, for And she said that before I came to Tema, the belief in the church was that if you fall down, then you are a witch. So when, when the pastor lay hands on that, oh my. You have to avoid falling down. And I said, no, it's not true. It's a good thing. And I will also with that fall down one day. And I hope that today I fall down to praise the Lord. <laughs> it's a good thing. And then after that, oh, when the church got to know nobody was coming forward, that life will come forward. It's not, it's not every church that are good people want to come forward, though. You know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? We had an all night uh, attention and we were laying when I got So an Indian came to chapter four, Indian, miracle service. When I called him, he said, No, 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 you don't want it. I said, I can't so you don't want it. An Indian. Or a Buddhist. Praise the Lord. Clap your two hands for Jesus. So <laughs> These things are meant to give you the right kind of motive. As you see these things, as you explain these things, you must have the right kind of motive. First John, finally, First John 2. First John 2, 28, 29. First John. Chapter 2. Verses 28, 29. First John 2, 28-29. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Amen. Amen. Clap your two hands for Jesus. Thank you for joining us for the Sunday morning's Bible study and sermon. We believe you have been blessed by the word. Join us same time next Sunday and have a blessed week.